How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the fourth episode of All Steelers Draft Talk. Um, just a reminder, you can find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash Steelers or wherever you get your podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Derek Bell. With me is my guy, Nick Martin. Uh, once again, I appreciate everybody's support on the first ep- couple episodes of the pod. Um, it's been awesome talking ball with you guys. Um, and today we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to reward you know you're all, you all with your support um, and engagement by answering a bunch of your draft-related questions. So, um, But first, before we get into that, how we doing, brother? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Championship week is this week with the college football. Last week was a really good rivalry week between just a bunch of teams. And I there was just a lot of, you know, there's definitely a good amount of guys that stood out and really excited to get into it. Yeah, it was a great, I feel like it was a great weekend for college football, man. It was. Like it, it was, it was awesome. Um, so many good matchups. And then anytime the Steelers don't play on Sunday, it's kind of nice too, because I'm able to watch uh, whether it be prospects from last year's draft that I'm kind of still intrigued on, see how they're developing it. I like, you know, trying to check in on several of my guys that I was really high on, maybe higher than the consensus. So that's something that I do anytime the Steelers don't play at one o'clock when a bunch of other teams are playing. So your buddy Gary full Wilson day to watch. It. Yeah, my guy Garrett Wilson was balling. I I was definitely uh, definitely peeping that. Um, and then I I watched that uh, that freak show of a fourth quarter that Trevor Lawrence put on against the Ravens. <laughs> that was different, of course. Me being biased, uh, I like seeing the Ravens lose quite a bit. So I was really, uh, I was even more hyped up, but especially because I've been telling people that, you know, Lawrence had been getting better and better. So, you know, that was kind of a full circle yeah. type of everything went right for me. Lawrence kind of balled out for me and then the Ravens lost. So it was nice. Um, let's, before we get into a lot of these questions um, from Twitter, I do want to start off with, you know, some guys that, kind of impressed us last weekend. Um, I'm going to let you go first. I know you have somebody that you're pretty excited about. This was actually kind of surprising, but it's Tanner McKee, quarterback from Stanford. I'm unsure whether or not he's going to declare this year or if he's going to, or he, if he's going to transfer and try and build his stock stock up, you'll check the box score. People will check the box score and they'll say, why are people talking about this guy? The reason people are talking about him and I didn't believe it either. I, I, I've been, a, I've been a, I've been a very like skeptical person when it comes to the pro football focus agenda of Tanner McKee. <laughs> <laughs> Just had to get that out there. And I watched him against BYU, and I saw, I, I saw them kind of spread the field. I saw him get from, from, from his first, get through his primary reads to his secondary reads. Got backside quite a few times. He threw some guys open that were not open, and I'd seen that before in prior in pr- my prior experiences with him. My whole issue with McKee is he's got like this weird elongated motion that almost looks a little bit like Wentz, where he kind of where he kind of dips his elbow a little bit, and he's he's listed around two thirty, but he doesn't he doesn't look like it throughout his entire body. He looks bigger in the upper body than he does in the lower body. And I went back, I watched a few games. uh, I watched a game against Washington and granted Stanford was just getting killed in, in pass protection, but he just was a sitting duck back there. And I don't necessarily think he can't move. I think he can actually. And that's one of the things I like. He has a very interesting, um, 
story too. Like I think he, I, if I remember correctly, he overcame ca- cancer as well, and it's an incredible story yeah. that he's that he's playing and is doing as well as he is. In terms of how he compares to like past Stanford quarterbacks, I think he's a better prospect than Davis Mills for sure. I, I wasn't a huge Davis Mills fan um, when he was coming out, but McKee, I think he makes, I think he makes big time reads, and I think he takes some chances, and I like guys like that who make those big boy reads and, and do all that stuff. It doesn't look pretty, but I like, but I like what he puts on the film and, you know, I'm, I'm slightly encouraged. I'm slightly encouraged. Maybe I, maybe I will buy the pro football focus agenda. <laughs> yeah. So I do agree. It definitely looks unconventional at times. And I definitely think that there are some limitations there with that Stanford offense. I mean, we look at a lot of times, uh, you know, when we get into draft season, the thing that you hear all the time about these, you know, quarterbacks that play at really good schools, Ohio State, Alabama, you know, there's all this talk about, you know, the type of talent that they're playing around and they're not going to be, you know, surrounded by those elite level athletes that are just better than everyone else on the field when they get to the NFL. McKee's playing with some bad players around. Yeah. I mean, it is he is under siege, I feel like, in the pocket. And maybe that has had some negative effects to his like pocket movement or pocket management. Um, you mentioned that you liked him over Davis Mills. I'm guessing that you don't have him over Andrew Luck, right? Uh no, oh no. <laughs> I don't know, man. I've listened. Uh, I, I heard uh, that Pro Football Focus might might like him over Andrew Luck. Uh, I, 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 you know what? It, they're they're probably one A and one B if I had to yeah. guess. Yeah, no, it's, Love you, that's Pro funny. Focus. Love you. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, PFF does some good things, man. I, I, I like a lot of their signature stats. I don't think that I'm quite as high on McKee as they are, but um, you know, it's interesting. That's it's good to have different opinions. Um, for the guys that for, the guy that really stood out for me last week was my guy Devin A Chain. <laughs> went absolutely off against LSU. 5'9", 185 junior. He's been around for a long time. Uh, He's been a three-year contributor for the Aggies offense, but I was just blown away by this performance. One of the better ground game performances that I feel like I've seen this year went for 38 carries, 215 yards, two touchdowns. But it was more about how he got those yards that was really impressive to me. He broke 16 tackles <laughs> like for a guy who's only 185 pounds, you know, and we've he has that track background. So we've kind of labeled him as a pure speed guy. I do think that he is legit four four speed at the running back position. He was running through guys and I, I really liked his, you know, demeanor in that game. He was wearing the LSU defense down. LSU's got some guys um, in the front seven, too. He was like imposing his will on them a little bit. And you just don't see that a lot from 185 pound backs that I just really appreciated that, that portion of his game. I don't know if that's been a consistent thing necessarily, because like I said, I've always viewed him as more of a speed guy, but he ran really hard, man. Uh, He's a creative runner too, who can string moves together. You saw that on some of those. um, I think he had four or five runs that went for over 15 yards. And on all of those runs, I feel like he was stringing moves together. And that's really what you want to see from a running back who's kind of been this workhorse in college. And we're trying to figure out like what his role or workload will be able to be at the next level. Um, But he doesn't play like your typical smaller back. You know, a lot of these 
180 pounds scat back um, guys can't handle that workload. And they also, you know, when the wind blows a little too hard, they kind of fall to the turf. And I didn't, I haven't seen that with a chain. So I'm really intrigued. I, I wish that A&M threw him the football a little bit more, which is kind of weird because how amazing he is in space. Like he has that third gear that not a lot of guys have, and he can get there very, very quickly but they just don't throw the ball a lot. And it's kind of odd to me because when you start looking at what guys do in college, you have to do this projection where you figure out where they're going to slot in the league. And I think for a chain, the easiest projection for me is he's going to have to make his work on passing downs or when teams look to kind of spread you out on offense. And I just don't know if there's enough there. Like I do, I have seen him catch the ball away from his frame, which I appreciate. I just don't know if he's as good of a receiver as like kind of what you would want for a guy that's his size coming out of college. Uh, But it could also be one of those things where just because he wasn't asked to do it as as much in college doesn't mean he can't do it. And I'm interested to find that out. He's a guy that I've got circled for like combine time, assuming he declares because he is a junior that I'm really interested to see how he does in the drills, like the pass catching drills, but the A chain train man was running off the tracks. And I really appreciate uh, that performance. That's a big time, big time win um, for A&M, which knocked LSU really out of the college football playoff. I honestly couldn't believe the result of that game. Like I, like I, like I turned that on and I'm just like, I'm just like, wow, LSU is getting just, they're getting thrashed on the ground and it's, surprising because they got you know guys like harold perkins on that defensive line and bj and bj ojulari and i'm just got like, nfl guys like yeah, first round nfl guys exactly and a chain's just running through a lot of these guys and he's definitely going to be in contention with um i think him and deuce vaughn guys who are like undersized backs they're going to be you know, people are going to be looking them at more scat backs than anything else. And they got to make their work on passing downs more than anything. They have to be able to pass protect and catch the ball because that's how you make your money as a, as a, as a smaller back, like you mentioned. And a chain, he definitely has that gear, especially if he's beaten guys like <laughs> on that LSU defense around the corner and just making them, you know, turning these angles and just making them look absolutely silly. So I agree. He definitely stood out. And, and with, uh, with LSU, by the way, Ojalari, we're going to talk about a lot as the draft season kind of gets in full swing. He's a, he's going to be a guy that's going to have, you know, a lot of first round hype. I'm interested to watch the tape on him, but Harold Perkins, a different, different cat. Yeah. Like there, there are some, Things that we saw with Will Anderson very, very early in his college career that made us really excited where we could easily go, this dude is a dude and he's going to be a first round player without a doubt. Harold Perkins, I think we can sharpie him in in a couple of years to the first round of the NFL draft because he is fantastic. I, I have been blown away every time I've watched him, just his athletic ability, the bend, the freakish speed closing ability it's uh he he's a player he yep. he is a baller early talks um, about micah parsons too with his yeah. ability to drop into coverage as well and how he how well he does as a pass rusher he's got, yeah he's got a lot going for him yeah there there he's a 
He's impressive, man. He's impressive. I, I always hate when I find guys like that that are so dominant so early because it's like, man, I, I want them now. Yeah. I, I want to be able to like draft them now. But um, all right. Yeah, I do want to – I appreciate the feedback on Twitter. I, I posted a tweet, I think it was last night, about going to take some draft-related questions just to get you guys involved in the podcast. I thought it would be a good idea, some good conversation. Um, so I'm going to read off a couple questions, and we'll – We'll kind of dissect those um, kind of as we go here. First question that I've got, let's see. It's going to be about the top five corners in the class. I want to read off this guy's name because he supports a lot of my stuff on Twitter. Um, Steel City Hackett, that's my guy. He's been uh, supporting my stuff on Twitter. He's a good dude. Uh, but he said top five corners in this class. Nick, we've talked about corners a lot on here. Um, we've talked about them a lot because, A, this is a pretty good corner class. Maybe not the top-heavy class that we saw last year, but definitely a lot of depth, in my opinion, yeah. and a lot of guys that are going to be starting capable players at the next level. And the Steelers are going to need a corner. I mean, that is very obvious if you watch them every like week in, week out. Can't run I their scheme from, the way, they, the way yeah, they want to. Yeah, I think for me – um, there are three very obvious first round guys in Keely Ringo from Georgia, Christian Gonzalez from Oregon and Joey Porter Jr. from Penn State. All three of those guys, I think, are going to test really well. So I do think that they are going to be first round players. How high they go, I'm not really sure. I, we've talked about Ringo and Gonzalez both on the show. Um, Ringo, there are still some untapped there's still some untapped potential in terms of uh technical refinement obviously he's an incredible athlete gonzalez he's really came on this year starting to play a lot more consistent he's also an incredible athlete both of those guys too are going to be 20 years old when they're drafted yeah and they're, that's and that's huge i mean i know breakout age like gets a bad rep from the analytical community because they just bang our heads into a wall with that stuff from time to time. But those guys are really far along in their development for how old they are. And then I think Joey Porter Jr., he's a little bit of an older prospect where he's going to be, you know, 22. He'll be a 23-year-old rookie. Um, but I was honestly lower on Porter Jr. coming into this year than I feel like most. Not because I didn't think that he could do it. I was just curious about if he could do it consistently and if he could do it without grabbing and committing yeah. penalties. I really thought that the, the reason why he didn't come out last year is because I, I had it in my notes when I studied him last year. I'm like, this dude can play, and there's definitely high-level NFL type of reps that you want to see from a boundary corner. You know, that length is awesome. But he's going to be a penalty machine. And I've only studied one game this year, um, which was the Ohio State game. But – I thought he did really well. I thought the one penalty he got in the Ohio State game was kind of ticky-tacky, to be yeah. honest. Um, so he's really intriguing. You talk about the Steelers needing um, guys that fit their scheme. They're playing a lot more, lot more man coverage, a lot more press man. I think Porter has the ability to, to disrupt the timing of receivers off the line of scrimmage. You want him playing up in guys' faces to take advantage of that length. So um, those three are guys that – I think are definitely in that conversation. I'll kind of let you talk about some of the other guys. Maybe you want to throw um, into that hat. So you mentioned the the top three. I don't have a definitive ranking, but on, on a top five, but in terms of guys I'm throwing into my, into like the top five 
like tentatively, Cam, Cam Smith from South Carolina. That guy has movement skills. He explodes downhill. He has a very smooth pedal. Guy can definitely play off coverage extremely well. And he's a guy that he's got swag. <laughs> and I love that in a corner. Important for corners. Yes. He he knows how to get in the head of someone. If 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 y'all watched Jair Alexander um against the Eagles and how much he was just chirping away, you'd know that those are the types of corners I love to watch because the mind games of a corner are very important. Not only confidence-wise, but getting into players' heads especially. And I think Cam Smith, I think he does it. And I, I love I love what he said to Cedric Cedric Till about Cedric Tillman and Jalen Hyatt and saying oh, like man. if they yeah, if they it's like, oh, if they were t- if they were talking trash, they they didn't they didn't have anything to back it up with or something like that. Like it's just that type of stuff. I love I love that. And of course you've talked a lot about Clark Phillips on on the show. Phillips absolutely super instinctual player. I was just getting done um rewatching USC versus Utah and I saw a guy who just knows what he's doing in zone, man. He's going to be undersized. A lot of people are going to talk about his length. And that's going to be a big talking point for sure. He has some of the best tape in this class mm-hmm. by far and just consistent all around and with his technique and Phillips being a ball hawk, knowing knowing how to play both zone man and just how sticky he is, feisty. You like that in smaller corners. Might not be in the fir- first round for all we know, because we see those guys get pushed down ten, usually. But he's a guy, obviously, that's going to be in that top that top five conversation. And like you mentioned, Christian Gonzalez, like I I, I could add uh, like. What he's doing on a weekly basis is impressing me so much to the point. Like, I'm just like, how high is this guy going to go? Because he has athleticism. He has ball skills. He gets his head around really well. And I don't see him panic. I don't see him panic at the catch point. And I think the fact that you got, like, when guys, they like, when guys got their heads tur- heads towards the receiver, they'll tend to put their hands up a little too early because they're trying to play the hands. And sometimes the receivers really late with their hands. So then they get really panicky and they just start grabbing. And I think Gonzalez is just not doing that. And I, I love, I love what I've seen out of him. And like you mentioned, Porter, I think he's been a lot less grabby this year, very impressive length. And if we're looking at, um, rookie seasons right now, Ahmad Sauce Gardner, people are going to talk, you know, I think a lot of comparisons are going to be made. I don't know how they'll stack up, obviously, athleticism wise. And, but I could, but I could definitely see teams, especially with how Tariq Woolen's doing. Oh yeah. That that's a miss for me, by the way. I, 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 I completely misevaluated that dude. And when it comes to press corners, like, you see what Sauce Gardner and what Tariq Woolen are doing. That I think that could end up pushing Porter Jr. maybe past Ringo when it's all said and done. Yeah, it's definitely going to be 
I definitely don't think it's as black and white as some people are making it in terms of CB1. Like, and when we're given like our rankings, like top five corners, and we're going to answer some of these questions, like you have to understand that we're in November, you know, yeah. early first day of, um, you know, December. So there's a lot of time we'll get to, we'll get a lot more film access. Like from this point forward, the more film that becomes available, we're going to probably change opinions on some of these guys, but these are just guys that we definitely know are going to be in that conversation. I do want to potentially put in a couple other names um, that could slide into that top five. Garrett Williams from Syracuse has been a guy that I've liked for a long, long time. Seen you talk him up a lot. Yeah. He's had a, he had a really good freshman season. Um, Maybe not as, great of follow-up seasons there's been some issues staying healthy that I think have really hurt him in terms of developing that consistency and getting in a rhythm Um, you know he's missed some games this year as well but when I watch him that dude has crazy reactive athleticism like he can trigger his short area quickness is so impressive really smooth light footwork I wish that Syracuse let him play a little bit more at the line of scrimmage um, and because they just they play him off. And I'm like, man, just let this dude get up in the box. But I, I really like his play. And there have been some times where I've watched him and he's had some really nice plays on the football at the catch point, you know, playing through the hands or, you know, disrupting guys in the air. So he's a guy that I really like. I'm interested to see some tape from him this year. I've only seen him live like once because he's been out with an injury. Interested to see, you know, what type of progression that he's made. And then the other guy that I really want to watch more of, I haven't, I didn't watch a ton of tape coming into the season on him. Um, but Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi State, I know that he set the record for interception touchdowns, I think, for Mississippi State. But I think someone tweeted me the other day saying that he might have set the NCAA record. But the dude has ball skills like crazy. Every time I watch them, he ends up with an interception or he's making a play on the ball. Um, You know, so he's a really intriguing player that could slide into that, you know, top five um, type of conversation, too. But, you know, those are all guys that I think if you're looking for guys maybe to go ahead and start getting a beat on watching, you want some guys to pay attention to in the last couple of weeks of the college um, football season. Those are definitely. you know, good guys to kind of watch for. Devin Witherspoon from Illinois. Yeah, Devin Witherspoon. We we talked him up like yeah. crazy on here. Uh, that's definitely a guy that I think you know you guys should know about by now if you are watching the show because we're we're pretty high on him too. So um, we're gonna move on to the next question. Um, it's gonna be from my guy West Coast guy zero zero. Is there any way we can slash would keep Highsmith? And if not, how soon do we draft his replacement? I'm thinking Nolan Smith in the second if he drops, but would love to keep Alex. Nick, I know that you are kind of, I like Hashmith a lot. And I he's definitely a draft hit for me, but I know he is your guy uh, because you are extremely high on him, maybe higher than everyone else. So I'm going to let you take uh, the kind of lead on that question. So Highsmith uh, for me, um, I watch a lot of pass rushers and Highsmith, coming out of high school was actually an off ball linebacker. And he played for one of the worst high schools you will ever, you will ever see terrible coaching. No, no, nothing, nothing. Literally he was just playing on athleticism. 
How do I know this? I was at his high school. <laughs> <laughs> and um I don't I don't want to go into it too much, but he he's a guy who works extremely hard. He went to every single resource known to man to try and get to where he was and, and to be able to walk on to Charlotte the way to Charlotte football the way he did. He originally played as a four eye back at Charlotte. And he played had a lot of tackle reads, but I could tell his technique was good. It was good for the college level and his athleticism. That was that was a sticking point for me because I thought he's going to test like four seven, might not do great in the three cone, but I think he turns the corner better than how his change of direction will end up being overall. Highsmith has he has a double digit sack season in his third season as a third round pick. And for me, one, sack numbers aren't everything. Pressure being, pressures are more important to me more than anything. But Highsmith gets pressure. He gets pressure pretty consistently. And one of the comparisons people are going to make, they're going to talk about Bud Dupree and the fact we didn't resign him and the fact it was a, it was a good thing. I don't think Highsmith is that. I think Highsmith is such a good technician, has such a good pass rush plan consistently because he knows how to set up his moves his inside spin he's been working on that for years it was the first thing he perfected and he he's learned how to sell his speed but not just that he's learned how to beat guys with his hands soften those edges and just create those corners that he can corner around the fact he has such a good pass rush plan knows how to use his hands good athleticism can drop into coverage too. I just don't think you're going to get very many guys like him afterwards. Like I know people are going to talk about Willie Anderson. They're going to talk about all these pass rushers that are very, you know, very, they, they have the sexy name appeal. And then I just think Highsmith is, I just think he's an edge one in the league. I do. He might not be the best athlete compared to guys like Von Miller, obviously, but Highsmith should be resigned, and especially considering the Steelers, they have a rookie quarterback now. When you have a rookie quarterback, you can afford to make those types of signings, and I think with the defense, they need to not make the, this the mistake of what they did in years in, in the past decade, where when their defense was good, their offense was bad, and then their, when their offense got good, their defense got bad, and it just kept repeating a cycle. You have to keep those guys around or else you aren't going to be able to consistently retain that type of talent. So obviously resign Highsmith priority. It's biggest priority aside from signing, resigning Terrell Edmonds in my opinion, but yeah, yeah, I definitely, I'm on the same page. I I'm skeptical that they will do it. Not because I don't think that Highsmith's worth it. I just don't know if they're going to be willing to allocate that much of a resource to the front defensive line with, you know, Cam Hayward on a big deal, TJ Watt on his like record breaking deal. We'll see what happens with Ogan Joby. I would guess that if we had to guess, he's probably not going to get re-signed because I think he's been a little bit disappointing in my opinion. Um, but you make a good point. I mean, we love the NFL draft. We have a podcast about it, but the point of the NFL draft is to draft good players. When you get good players, you need to retain those good players. And I think that the Steelers caught you know lightning in a bottle in terms of getting Alex Highsmith 
in the third round. You're talking about a guy that has double digit sack, not just potential anymore. Like he legitimately has double digit sacks in his third season. Like you mentioned, consistent pressure. Um, and you look around the league when you see those type of guys that are guys that can get you eight plus sacks off the edge. The majority of those guys come in round one. So when you talk about trying to replace him, it's kind of tough. Like you don't see the hit rate outside of the first round on edge rushers is really, really bad. I mean, the, what the Steelers got in Highsmith is really, is really awesome and sort of lucky, honestly. Even though the Steelers do a good job, you know, scouting that position, they know exactly what they want in those guys. But I'm completely on the same page. Um, Highsmith's a guy that you know I definitely want to keep around for the future. I think the his part, the part of his question that is interesting is if you, I, th- I do think you need to have a plan on what you're going to do with him, whether you do want to sign him or not coming into the year. Because I don't think we'll get into a holdout situation because he only has one year left on his deal. But if you're not planning on doing it, entering the draft, you got to take a guy. I mean, bare minimum, for one, they need edge depth. I mean, Malik Reed's probably not going to be back. If he is, um, it's going to be at a really low number. But they've been struggling to get that edge three guy for years now. It's always been an issue for them. Um, really the only year that I feel like it has it was Hasmus rookie year. And that's because yep. they invested in the position knowing that Bud Dupree was leaving. So to me, the draft could tell us pretty obviously what they think of Highsmith if they go and get, you know, a second or third round edge rusher. Um, I think it could tell us what his future might hold, but you know, it's a, and it's a good edge rushing class. We've talked about a lot of prospects. Uh, he brought up Nolan Smith from Georgia uh, Nolan Smith, not maybe the refined pass rusher um, that Highsmith was even coming out, but a unbelievable athlete with crazy sideline to sideline speed. Um, but definitely, you know, a guy that you're going to need to mold over time. I, I still think that, you know, he missed a lot of time this year. I'm not really sure what his stock's going to be, um, but he's definitely a guy that's going to have, you know, he's a he's a senior. He's definitely going to be in this class. But it's it's an interesting debate, something that we'll have to talk about, you know, a lot moving forward. Um, but yeah, let's see yeah. here. Let's get to the next question. What would we want to go? What we want to go with Nick for the next one? Uh, let's uh, let, me, go, let me hit on this he? one real quick. Yeah, at Coward uh, Crenshaw is is he a Banacana grade? Question mark? Question mark? Question mark? Um, I don't have a grade but I can tell you good amount about him because I've watched a ton of pit this year. Israel Banakanda has a impressive gear to be able to break those long runs. He's got this. So as a running back, I don't typically like this is um he's a bit high cut. He's got longer legs than he does Zephyr torso. And he deals with some injuries on, on occasion for sure. And, you know, guys like that, they tend to get, injured more you see guys like dalvin cook and chris carson they've they've had injuries over their careers and i'm not saying body type has to do with it but i've seen more high cut guys at the running back position tend to get injured is he impressive in terms of balance in terms of just breaking long runs i think he's gotten better every year in his in his pick career he's definitely going to get pushed down in this class because 
of how deep this running back class will end up being if he does declare. But really young player, only 20 years old, if I remember correctly. And that's he's been around for a while. Yeah, no, yeah, no, he's been he's my dad's been talking about him since the for for quite for quite a while. He 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 really he really likes what he's what he's seen out of him. He's like, I hope the Steelers can get a chance to draft draft him have have a good sec have another good second back or something like that but that was before Jalen Warren got here so but yeah um Israel Bandicanda probably a guy I'd look to see uh end up going on late day two early day three most likely yeah yeah like you mentioned I'm I'm really high on this running back class I think it's got a lot of different flavors it just kind of depends on what you want and I have been extremely impressed with Bandicanda this year I have tried to stay away from watching Pitt football, to be completely honest with you guys, because I do not enjoy watching Slovis play at all. And Neither I do think, I. Yeah, and Pitt, and Pitt has not been a fun watch for me on Saturdays. So I've I've checked in here and there. When he's done some crazy things, I've kind of more so seen them on Twitter. Um, but I do think there's that blend of power that he can offer in terms of like running through tackles with that burst to kind of break those long gains. And, you know, what do you have that one week? It was like 320 yards and like six touchdowns. It was, yeah, I believe it was against uh, Virginia tech. If I remember correctly. Yeah. I mean, doesn't matter who you're playing, who you are, you, you run for 300 yards. You're getting uh, you know, a thumbs up in my book on that. So I'm, I'm really impressed with kind of the development from him. I mean, and I, I know that Pitt has had some good stretches of offensive line play, but their passing game hasn't been really great either. And they've really relied solely on his ability to create big plays. Like Pitt's not throwing the ball down the field a ton when I watch. Most of their explosive plays, I feel like, are from Abana Kanda. And that's, you know, that's intriguing from a running back prospect because he can he can do a lot of different things. So yep. um wanna get to the next question. We'll go with my guy, Jim Hester. Again, another guy that supports a lot of my content. Appreciate you. Uh, what are your personal top five positional draft needs for the Steelers going into next year? Free agency and re-signings obviously being unknown right now. So we touched on this a little bit last week, so I don't really want to talk about a ton of like left tackle um, cornerback stuff because we've, we've touched on that yeah. already. We both think that those are the you know 1A, 1B type of top draft needs for the Steelers heading into – you know, the off season, what are some other positions that you think should be in that kind of same bucket? I've mentioned center before, because I do believe that um, as, as decent as Mason Cole has, you know, serviceable as he's looked, I definitely think the Steelers need that, that marquee center. If you go back to their history, they're that, you know, they, they have their best teams have always been marked by great center play. And, they definitely love pulling their their guys like that out in space. Definitely need to look for for a guy like that for sure. Linebacker could be off ball linebacker could be one because it's a little weird because I actually think Devin Bush has played not too bad this season overall, and I think he's been more physical with taking on blocks. I really like the play he made on Michael Pittman on the cross on the crosser last week. I thought I thought he was pretty I thought he was pretty solid overall. The thing that with the Steelers though is they they put Robert Spillane on the field a ton. They rotate him and Miles Miles Jack and it's not like it's like they don't trust their linebacking core. So I could really see them looking towards the draft and 
Linebacker is a position that while it could be a big need, you can solve it later in the draft. Linebacker is a is like almost like I don't want to call it the running back of a defense because I believe linebacker is an integral position, but it's one of those positions you we can find some of the better guys on day two, day three. Guys like Fred Warner, Matt Milano. It's a huge Fred Warner fan. I, back I in the will day. be I will be very, very upset if the Steelers take a linebacker in round one. Yeah. Now, any anytime past that point and you want to take an off ball guy, that is fine. I'm gonna lose my mind if they do that round one. And that's that's just my personal preference. I am completely in agreement with you in terms of linebacker is just not a position that I want to take that early. It's just not. I don't want to call it, you know, running back of the defense either. But you just look at the guys that have been selected that high, and it has not been pretty. And I know that that's not, you know, the end-all, be-all, but you look at guys who have been picked in the first round at that position, not a ton of success, man. Devin Bush, Patrick Queen, guys like that have really, really struggled to start their career and I think we put a little bit too much of an onus on athleticism at that position. I think you're kind of seeing that show up with some of these guys. You're starting um, to see the bigger guy. You're, it's like a it's like a changing of the guard. We saw like, the smaller linebackers start to really be effective, and then now we're starting to see the bigger linebackers because because of like the amount of teams that are going to start relying more on the run again. It's basically a cycle at this point. Yep. But you mentioned like, first round linebackers. The Cardinals took two back two. to back, two back to back, and they've done basically nothing. Though I'm still, I'm still holding out hope for Zayvon Collins, who I was a big fan of. And I still yeah, they don't, and they don't. Watchers. I don't really get the fact that get the feeling that they like either one of them that much. No. I don't think that they trust either one of them in certain situations. From what I've seen of their defense, which is terrible this year. Yeah. Um, I do think off-ball linebackers definitely um, up there in the conversation. I will say that I do agree with my guy, Josh, on Twitter, who brought this up the other day. One of the Steelers' first three picks is going to be a receiver. It's just yeah. going to happen. It, it, we, As much as I don't want it to, because I really, really want the Steelers to go into this draft and the offseason and just prioritize the heck out of the trenches, because I think that they really need to get stronger up front, start beating teams down a little bit, like the old days as well. Yeah. But I think that one of those uh, guys is going to be a receiver. Now we are starting to see them use Deontay Johnson a little bit more in the slot. I don't think that that's where they want him long-term. So to me, slot receiver in in particular is going to be a need. I don't know how high they go, but they have been taking receivers a little bit more early recently than they used to, you know, used to that third, fourth round was kind of the, range that they like to kind of dip their toe in that water. But now it's been more, you know, top 50, round 55. A lot of people are going to ask about Jordan Addison. Yeah. That's going to be a name we're going to talk about. Like Jackson Smith and Jigba, uh, Kayshawn Bouti from LSU, another slot receiver. So those type of guys I do think are going to be in the conversation of, you know, players that we're going to talk about a ton. You mentioned center. I think I definitely agree with what you're saying, and I see your viewpoint on that. I think I'm more in on left guard. I, I just yeah, personally, Dotson. Dotson's a he's an okay player, yeah. but he's just never really he's a, he's a guy who looks to me 
the same as the same guy that we saw as a rookie. And that, I just don't see the overall improvement over a long period of time, given, especially given that we've seen a good amount of him. Now this year, saw him a little bit last year, a little bit as a rookie. I just, I don't know if he's a guy that you really are comfortable with just sharpening in as your left guard next year. And then maybe not a positional thing, although I think you probably argue that it needs to be in, Interior defensive line, given Cam Hayward's age, but Steelers might need another pass rusher. And where you get that, I don't know. How high up on that is on the priority list, I don't know. But, you know, Ogan Joby's been kind of disappointing to me in that department this year. Cam Hayward's pressure rates dropped from about like 10, 11% to about 5 or 6%. You know, obviously with age, um, that's probably not going to get better. Um, and then, you know, TJ Watt's been hurt, but this is a team I think the last I checked was 30th in pressure rate, man. Like, yeah. you look at how their defense is built, especially now, trying to play all this man coverage in the back end, you got to win up front. And, I mean, Alex Hasman's been really good. You know, TJ's just now working back from an injury, but they need to add another pass rusher to the mix. I mean, I know they got DeMarvin Leal coming back from injury, hopefully this season. We'll see how he develops kind of next year. But I think you've definitely got to look at, you know, add an interior defensive lineman, especially or and or someone who can rush the passer up front. Yeah, um, for sure. Uh, I'm going to touch real quick on the last bit that you said about receiver real quick. But mm-hmm. um, you mentioned the need for a pure slot receiver. That's going to that's going to be really interesting because Calvin Austin primarily played on the outside. And I know yeah. that they like what they saw from him. We don't know what's going to happen because it, because of you know the foot surgery he had. So obviously that's going to be a big question. Deontay Johnson better on the outside than he is in the slot. I, I just don't I, like. I think he can. I think he can move around, but I just don't think that's his role. And I think George Pickens is 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 an X. I, I don't. I don't think you want to be moving him into the slot as a big as a big slot because one certainly hope that can is not back back next year but the the slot is a back is a black hole for the for the Steelers offense Mm -hmm. Juju his production suffered there Claypool's production started to suffer granted it wasn't nearly as significant as what we saw with with Juju going from like his 20 2018 2019 uh stuff to like his what was going to be 2020 where he was basically he had an A dot lower than Jarvis Landry at that point. Yeah. And you mentioned um defensive line. Liao, definitely a guy that they have to be encouraged by what they've seen in this in the slower amount of reps that they've had. Definitely has some ability. I'm still a little bit on the tweener side with him. I don't know if he's gonna be a full time like well, they're moving him. They've been moving him around before yeah. he got hurt. Some some of that was out of necessity because Watt wasn't healthy. Yeah, no, I understand that they were doing that, yeah. and that I definitely want to see him hold up on the interior because mm-hmm. if he ends up panning out for them, that'd be huge. But that's why I think that they have to get one of those one of those higher pedigree defensive linemen. That's mm-hmm. why we're we're talking so much about Jalen Carter because if we're pick if the Steelers are picking low enough. To, to take a guy like him. No brainer. Yeah, it's an absolute no brainer at that point. But yeah. yeah. 
definitely definitely an interesting need for sure i definitely agree um i do want to touch a little bit on jordan addison and then we're going to wrap up the kind of the q a just because a lot of these questions that i'm seeing are about receiver i've been asked a lot about jordan addison reuniting him with kenny pickett like i said it's not my favorite thing in the world. I still think that Addison, even though he hasn't been healthy, has a chance to go round one. I would kind of be surprised if he didn't. So to me, do I think the Steelers are going to take a receiver in round one? I don't, but it's not the craziest thing in the world. I mean, we've seen um, a lot of teams pair, you know, their young quarterback with guys they play with in college. And you look at Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, you look at Jalen Hurts, Devontae Smith. Is that something the Steelers look at and say, hey, look, if Kenny likes this guy and we're all in on his development and we think that this is the best way to accelerate that? Okay. I mean, I like Jordan Addison as a player. I just, I'm not sure that that's the best use of that resource early in the draft. What I think makes Addison really unique is his ability to play in the slot. And he's really good with the ball in his hands. And the Steelers don't have that. Like, Deontay Johnson, kind of that expert route runner, really good against press. George Pickens, you know, that contested catch artist can work vertically, stretch the field for you. They don't have – neither one of those guys are very good with the ball in their hands. Deontay was – I don't know what happened, but the guy can't run forward anymore. He's just (laughs) – it's just all, you know, east and west. Uh, Pickens, you know, that was obviously a knock on him coming out of college was just, he didn't make a lot of guys miss and just those longer receivers, I mean, six, three, six, four, they typically have a little bit more of trouble, um, creating yards after the catch. Addison, on the other hand, when he gets the ball, there's some serious ball carrier vision there. He can make some big, big plays happen with the ball in his hands. And then as a route runner, I think that there's a lot of translatable skills there. You know, the way that he could drop his weight, you know, he's, He's sudden but smooth. He can get in and out of his breaks really quickly. He accelerates out of those breaks like very few guys, I think, in this class are you know going to prove able to do. So my own, one of my biggest concerns with Addison, honestly, um, that I've seen from him, the frame is a little bit slight for what you would typically maybe look for in a round one receiver. Although I think we've seen guys, you know, with similar frames get drafted there more recently. Devonte Smith was like the yeah. skinniest guy. The slim, the slim Reaper. Uh, yeah. But I, the one thing that kind of is starting to worry me a little bit about Hassan, he's banged up a lot. Like yeah. maybe not in terms of like missed games, but just because I've watched, you know, the freak show that is the USC offense a lot this year. He missed a couple games this year, but there's been a lot of times where he's been on the turf and, you know, he kind of limps off a little bit and I'm kind of holding my breath. Like, is he okay? Cause I like him a lot as a player. I just wonder, is that going to play at the next level? Like, is he going to be able to hold up physically? And, you know, I don't think that, you know, we're not calling him, you know, soft or anything like that. He's a tough kid, but I just, I worry about, you know, his body being able to hold up a little bit with all the extra contact, especially when you're playing in the slot you know, hopefully the Steelers next year are going to start working the intermediate levels, the middle of the field. When you're the slot receiver, you're going to take a little bit of punishment in there because you're going to be working around inside linebackers, you know, box safeties, you know, middle field players, things like that. So that's one of the smaller concerns uh, for me, just kind of top of my head, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. And, you know, we're, we always finish off with our with our matchups to watch. Um, I, I can kind of this kind of goes into what I can add right now. Clark Phillips, 
going to be going up against Addison yet again in the USC Utah game this this coming Friday. That game was an explosive affair between it was like forty three to forty two. They both those offenses went back and forth. Thing that I noticed with Addison, they were moving him around a lot. They kind of got a lot of schemed schemed up plays where he was away from Clark Phillips. Whenever they were fighting, you know, when they were going up against each other, it was a very even affair. Like there was moments where Phillips had a had a really nice rep along the sideline. There was a moment where where Addison got like the best of him. The, overall, I'm I, I want to see those guys go up against each other more because Addison. I don't his play strength is weird. I think when he gets physically contacted at the catch point, he tends to he tends to like lose the ball like off like off those plays. And I saw a little bit of that with like Calvin Ridley when he came out of college. Granted, Calvin Ridley had an extreme drop rate that definitely was a lot better in the in the NFL, but Addison, I kind of compare, I kind of put him in that Calvin Ridley, the the Devonte Smith type of archetype of guys who are slimmer, guys who can create, you know, guys who can eat up cushion, expert route runners, just not like huge contested catch guys. Yeah, I definitely, you know, I definitely agree with that with Addison too. And and I know we're spending a little bit of time now talking about his weaknesses, but you know, that's something you got to do as an evaluator. I want to see, you talked about the catch point where there are times where, you know, he kind of struggles in those contested catch situations. I've seen on film a little bit, just watching a little bit of Caleb Williams film on the all 22. I've seen him get hung up at the line of scrimmage a little bit more than I uh, originally anticipated because when I was watching him at Pitt, there was moments where I was really impressed with his release uh, package and ability to beat press, you know, swiping guys' hands down, using different releases to create separation. I did notice a couple times in the UC, I think it was a UCLA game, maybe the Arizona game, one of those two games where, um, you know, it was a couple seconds before he got off the line of scrimmage. I, I, there was one time he got thrown out of bounds. So, again, frame concerns kind of surround all of those kind of weaknesses. And that's not to say you can't work Play around strength. on me. Yeah, I mean, we we see guys improve on that into the next level. And, like, even when we go through the draft process, you and I, I feel like, have to explain this a lot. And we're talking about whether it be young players in the league or NFL draft prospects, guys aren't finished products. So just because, you know, they have weaknesses, that doesn't mean they're always going to be weaknesses. We see examples of that all the time where guys come into the league. I think a guy that you brought up earlier about Tariq Woolen. I thought that Tariq Willen was extremely raw. I, I thought that his transitions were great. I thought that he was obviously a freakish athlete. I thought his technique at the line of scrimmage was extremely shoddy. A lot of poor hand placement, a lot of two-hand jabs, lunging, um, not keeping his feet underneath them, false steps. Now that's not really the case. I mean, you watch the kid play. I mean, there are still the occasional mishap, but he's cleaned up a lot of his technical stuff, I feel like, especially in his lower half. So just because there's things that we may be concerned about now doesn't mean that they can't, you know, get improved on later. Um, You know, just to touch on, um, you know, guys that I'm watching for, you know, this weekend, a lot of college football implications for a lot of these games. But I'm going to stick, you know, kind of with the same game, that Utah um, USC game. I want to talk about Dalton Kincaid. This dude 
has been a baller this year. And I think that he got passed over for the Mackey Award last night. Um, he's not a finalist for that, which I think is absolutely That's crazy. absurd. Uh, for the nation's top tight end. But, you know, 6'4", 240. He plays over half his snaps in the slot. Like, he's basically an extended an extended receiver. Um, but they play, when they played USC earlier this year, he caught all 16 of his targets for 234 yards and a touchdown. 234 yards from a tight end. And, you know, he actually leads the NCAA in yards from that position. I think he's got like 40 more yards than like Michael Mayer from Notre Dame, who I think is probably going to be a late first round pick. Um, he's going to ha- hear his name called very early. But, you know, they move him around a lot and they flex him out wide. He does play a little bit um, in line as well. Love the natural hands. I mean, hands catcher through and through. Excellent, you know, catching the ball away from his frame. He's only got one drop on the season. I checked that with the uh, pro football focus before I hopped on here. Um, in the USC game, they sent him on kind of a bender route. Um, USC was playing Tampa two and they sent him on a bender route where he split the two um, half field safeties and the ball was thrown away from his frame and he left his feet and was able to pluck the ball out of the sky in the middle of the field. And I just, I love that from tight ends. I I love uh, with how much cover two we're seeing in the league now too, especially Tampa two, having a guy that can run the seam and get down the pipe and catch the ball away from his frame is just, is awesome. I think he's a pretty good route runner you know he's, he's relatively smooth snappy out of his breaks there's just there's going to be some concerns obviously about his um, ability to play in line does he have enough play strength to hold up as a blocker I definitely think that's the biggest need for improvement there he's a willing blocker but not necessarily a good one but we see those guys taken on day two of the draft pretty much every Pat year <laughs> yeah I mean Farmer is a good example of that too. Um, but Kincaid, I think, you know, with some work on, you know, his blocking ability, I think he could be a pretty good NFL tight end. Like I said, I think he's going to come off the board probably in that like 50 to 90 pick, 50 to 100 pick range, if I had to guess. Um, you know, I don't quite think he's definitely not going to go ahead of uh, Michael Mayer from Notre Dame. Uh, but I definitely think that, you know, he's a good player. I, I enjoy watching him. I, I'm interested to see what USC does defensively to scheme around him because he torched them last time. And that's really the reason that they lost the game, honestly. <laughs> you yeah. give up 234 yards and a touchdown to one player, it's going to be pretty hard to recover from that. So, interested to see what they do. USC's been a train wreck on defense, but, you know, at least they have the Caleb Williams freak show to bail them out best offense in college football yeah it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun one brother uh, i'm excited yeah. for it uh but we're, we're about to wrap this thing up but once again just appreciate everybody's you know support of the channel you know again you can find us at youtube um at allstealers.com as well so you can check out all of nick's work my my work as well uh like the video please you know leave comments on what you thought of the show if you guys want to hear us talk about specific players We'll try to continue, maybe not weekly, but definitely try to continue to get you guys more involved with the Q&A type of stuff. Um, if you guys want to hear our thoughts on specific guys, we'd love you know, to get that to you all. So appreciate you guys for listening. Y'all have a good one.